0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even Golf. winner, Live Tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline. Where the Game Starts. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We are breaking down the third and final preseason game for the Atlanta Falcons today. And here to help me do it is Dave Choate, the fearless leader of the Falcoholic. Dave, how are you doing, man?
1: Doing well. Doing well. I was going to say, happy to have a win.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, it was a great, great game. Um, I think the best certainly the best we've seen preseason in a while for this Falcons team. But let's start here because I kind of want to look at the totality of the preseason. It really feels like, and this stretches back to the way that the team played last year, there's just kind of a baseline level of competency that I think exceeds the talent level of the cumulative parts on this team. And I'm trying to figure out if that has to do with, with the coaching staff, more with Arthur Smith, with our view of these players and maybe they are better than we think that they are. Do you have any read on why this team just kind of since the, the change in the coaching staff in the front office seems to be playing kind of above maybe what we consider them to be?
1: Yeah, I I really think the talent level is probably higher than anticipated here. Um, I, I think that, they've done a nice job this off season in a way that maybe they couldn't do on the budget they had on the time they had last year. Uh, you know, getting some high upside guys in the door, somebody like D Alford, who's done such a nice job of, uh, you know, turning his opportunity into, I, I think, a definite roster spot. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the young talent that they've added at wide receiver, at running back, even even tight end, really. Not young, maybe, but um, <laughs> I, I think the talent level is just sort of night and day over a year ago. And I, I think sort of the early impressions that people got of this team um, that they were going to be a basement dweller, you know, because they weren't talented, maybe it was the wrong reason. Um, there's pieces that have to coalesce, I think, for sure. But I, I think too that the coaching staff just being in a better place to coach these guys up after sort of going through the trial by fire year, um, that combination to me has been what this is all about. I just think this is a better coached more talented team, A, than they were a year ago, but B, more so than I expected. Um, whether that translates into anything, you know, success wise or not, I don't know, but um, it's pointed in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to because I was talking with um, Ovi and our, our pal, Aaron Freeman, um, about this before the game, but it's such an interesting kind of compare and contrast with the narrative surrounding this team and the way our expectations kind of follow the narratives, you know, nationally, locally, things like that. But as we got closer to the 2021 season, you started kind of seeing people talk about the Falcons as maybe that seventh wildcard team as maybe a little bit of a surprise team. Could they finish second in the NFC South? That type of stuff. And that had to do with a little bit of the residual talent left over from the Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov era. but, For a lot of reasons this year, the kind of expectations have been going much further south. And that starts with the quarterback position, although I think you and I have both been pleasantly surprised by that uh, particular position so far this preseason. But it's got a lot of people nationally, at least kind of saying, well, the Atlanta Falcons legit have a shot at the number one overall draft pick this year. But as we've gone through three preseason games now, I kind of feel like that's not necessarily going to be the case and that we are probably looking at somewhere between a five to seven win team. And even though the schedule is going to be kind of hard, I think that this team will be better or at least avoid shooting itself in the foot 15 times. Now, I say that full well, knowing the number of penalties that this group has had. But what do you think about this team specifically in comparison to last year's team And does it make sense that the expectations are as kind of far apart year over year as as they seem to be?
1: Yeah, I think again, it it is just a totally different football team. And I I think the thing that got me—and I can't remember which outlet it was—but had predicted, you know, every team's record, and they had the Falcons as easily the worst team this year. (laughs) It
0: was a lot of it was a lot of outlets, honestly.
1: Yeah, it was. It's been more than one. But like to me that. That really is kind of a gross misreading of where these Falcons are. Now, could they very easily lose a bunch of games this year? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty likely they will. But I, I do think that when you look at last year, I think a lot of people got fooled by this team and their win total um, because they were, as Bill Barnwell from ESPN put it recently, not just the worst team, seven-win team in terms of point differential ever, but also the worst six-win team in terms... Of point differential so they were never <laughs> you know they, they won one game by eight points like they just they they got lucky yeah. in some close games they were not competitive against contenders it was very clear that coaching staff was figuring this thing out the, the talent wasn't where it needed to be some guys that they thought might contribute in year 1 weren't ready until this year so to me like last year was sort of a rolling disaster that looked better on its face and this year I think it's going to be kind of the opposite. We may see a slightly depressed win total because, you know, still figuring this thing out, um, you know, certainly some holes on the roster, a tougher early slate in particular, but the talent level is to me night and day. I think, you know, they've upgraded at so many key positions, second cornerback, you know, going to Casey Hayward over Fabian Moreau, having those young safeties who look really good in, in their second and third years, respectively it's, it's just, they, they had a little bit of budget to play with. Um, they had another draft class. Again, they dipped into the CFL and came up with a potential really good reserve, maybe more than that and Alford. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we saw the savviness of this, this front office with a couple of exceptions this off season. Um, and I think, you know, if not for maybe the Calvin Ridley suspension coming out of nowhere and them not being able to flip him for the draft picks they wanted that this roster would be even more talented than it is, so it's one of those I've been kind of urging patience with this team because I think I know how this year is going to go, but it's also yeah. to be very hard not to be excited about where they are and where they're headed if that makes sense
0: it it absolutely it does. does, and I think that we in the media and I use that we you know very loosely, but um kind of have fallen into a bad shorthand of using quarterbacks as, as kind of the bellwether for what the roster could be. Or you hear the phrase, you know, a, a deepest roster in the league, you know, one of the deepest. Ro- so it's either you reach that threshold where kind of there are no glaring holes or you have a quarterback who is well-respected enough that people generally tend to go glass half full When they look at your roster, the Falcons really have neither of those things. But I think it's a disservice to, like you said, assume that they are just worse than they were last year because they lost Matt Ryan. And I think that even if they don't necessarily have many household names on this roster, what they've done is they inherited kind of a paint palette that had a few colors left that were kind of dried up and cracked and maybe didn't vibe with whatever the you know, the painting that Arthur Smith and Dean Pease wanted to create. This offseason, they've invested in a few different colors. We don't know how rich those colors will be, but at least it gives them a few different options to try some combinations to create something new. And I think it'll be beneficial that they've been able to do that. Um, We've probably gone too long without mentioning the quarterback situation Uh, so far. I think Marcus Mariota has gotten plenty of love, deservedly so, for his performance so far this preseason. But the Falcons decided not to play him along with Um, 35 other starters and or 32 other starters. And they went with Desmond Ritter for, you know, three plus quarters in this game. What did you think of his performance uh, on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I I thought it was not his strongest performance of the preseason, but in some ways it was the most encouraging. um, Because I I think as Arthur Smith has alluded to multiple times with Ritter, what they like about him is, is his poise and maturity and sort of how he bounces back and you saw him, you know, throw that interception, um, you know, ugly, ugly throw interception on the very first play of the game. There are a lot of young quarterbacks who would not be able to just get right back out there and play well after that. And I thought that he mostly did, you know, he he certainly had a couple of throws that I think he'd like back, um, you know, a couple of hesitations maybe where he shouldn't, but he is in fact a rookie quarterback. There is a reason, um, the teams, you know, kind of let him fall to the third round. He's a work in progress. But to me, what we've seen from him this preseason and what we saw from him yesterday is that this is a guy who is very capable of being a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, he has all the right tools and talent. But most importantly, I think he's got the mentality for it. And, you know, they're, they're, we, we are used to the Falcons crumbling, right? Like, and I, I think it's really important to have a quarterback that, You know, when you're starting this thing over, um, as the Falcons are doing right now and trying to get this thing right under center after years and years of stability and and reliability in Matt Ryan, having a guy that you can count on not to fall apart in a pressure pack situation or when things start to go wrong, it's going to be a very big deal for them. So I, I thought, again, really encouraging. He's been better than I've expected and more than I've expected thus far. And I was pretty high on him. So. Um, you know, I try not to get ahead of myself and be like he's the next great Falcons quarterback. <laughs> you can see why the Falcons, as Dwayne Jones the uh, the assistant college scouting director for the Falcons put it, fell in love with them with him during the pre-draft process, because he's got it.
0: Yeah, and it's easy to see how once you determine which quarterback you want of the group in a in a certain draft, I think a lot about this with Grady Jarrett, like Grady Jarrett was clearly a player the Falcons wanted, and once you kind of give the green light as a coaching staff, as a front office, when everybody's up on who they want, then it's all about, all right, well, where can we get him? And you start, you change the, uh, like, kind of reconnaissance that you do with other teams into, all right, what do you think about this guy to where do you think this guy's going to go? If they just locked in on Desmond Ritter and they got the sense in the proverbial 32-team room that, you know... is a late second rounder, third rounder, whatever, then that's where they can start really honing in on where to get him. And it allows them to pick up some other players like Arnold Epicati, like Troy Anderson, who had his best game of the preseason um, on Saturday. So I've been very encouraged by Desmond Ritter. I thought it was really telling so far this preseason that the coaching staff has made no bones about the fact that they are going to coach him hard and kind of have a higher expectation for him than you might otherwise expect for a rookie. But you know, honestly, like what coaching staff is going to come out and say, no, we're we're going pretty easy on our guy. You know, he's not ready yet. We're we're kid glovesing uh, this situation. Nobody's going to say that. But his resiliency is kind of unavoidable at this point. It's it's been something that has stood out in every single preseason game. There's a reason I led um, our takeoffs or takeaways with it on the uh, Falcolic.com after yesterday's game. Because it it's kind of the most important, un, uh, you know, intangible thing that he's shown so far, and some of the best quarterbacks have very short memories, and they can rebound in the highest pressure situations. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to do that throughout his career, but I'm, I'm I am saying that he's done it so far in his first three preseason games. So that's really really encouraging. I think that if if you told us going into the preseason that one of the top three takeaways from this preseason is that Desmond Ritter looks like he's got a legitimate NFL future. We would have called that a win regardless of anything else that happened.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree.
0: Let's, let's talk about some of the other, um, offensive pieces, you know, again, with a lot of the starters out, I thought the reserve offensive line played pretty well, but it's tough to kind of see any of them, you know, super making a strong push for a 53-man roster spot. You know, probably a few practice squad candidates there. The, uh, the wide receivers were pretty consistent as well. But I thought the running backs have kind of been one of the unders- undersung heroes of this preseason for Atlanta so far. And Caleb Huntley, Tyler Algier, Quadri Allison all had fantastic games. How hard is this going to be for them to pare down this roster decision at running back?
1: I think it, it's going to be difficult, and I, I think the number one reason it's going to be difficult is the risk that you lose whoever you wind up cutting. Um, you know, when I look at it um, and see what those backs did yesterday, like to me, Tyler Algier is pretty locked onto the roster. In my agree, I think I think they love him. I, I think he's shown a well-rounded skill set. He's certainly a, a more advanced blocker and pass catcher than maybe I expected him to be. And I think they're high on him. So to me, he's, he's running back three. But then like, the question becomes, do you keep four? Because clearly you've got two really capable guys in Allison um, and Huntley. And then try to stash one on the practice squad? Or do you just stash one or two on the practice squad and risk losing them? Because to me, that is the, that is the real risk. They've put enough on tape this preseason, both of them. And Allison's certainly been in the league long enough and, and working at what I think is a better level every single summer. That we've seen him, um, that you really do risk losing them to a running back star team somewhere else. So, to me, that's what makes this decision tough is, is the possibility that you won't get to keep all five guys, because I think that's sort of the ideal for them. I think, based on Huntley's performance yesterday, based on the praise for him, I think he would have the inside track to a fourth running back role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Allison, hopefully, on the practice squad. But I, I do believe that because they seem to like all of these guys a lot. The fact that, you know, you may not be able to keep the band together does make this a really tough call. It probably gives them some pause.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that Quadri Allison has been kind of the epitome of what you want in, in a young guy, right? Like he has gotten better every single year. I do think that this has been his best preseason. Notably, I think he's improved greatly in his past protection, but it's just, is he at the wrong position for this type of develop, like at running back, that's where you want a rookie to come in and immediately have high usage and you kind of run them dry, you know, for, for lack of a better phrasing and apologies to any running backs and Ovi who are out there listening to this because, you know, that's kind of the brutal truth of, of the NFL is you get that high usage on that first contract and then you kind of see what, what they've got left in the tank. Quadri Allison, you know, came into the league, uh, three four years ago and is kind of he's gonna be 20 um you know 6 in in a month or actually in a few days so happy early birthday Quadri but 26 in running back is is like 35 at at other positions like that it's not often that you really see them get many carries north of 30 and so for him to just be kind of rounding into the form that we had hoped that he would show when he was drafted out of Pittsburgh You've got Caleb Huntley there who's who's kind of 24 showing some of the similar skill sets. You know, you wonder how that all factors in to um you know, how how all of this can play out. And I also wonder what Quadri Allison's practice squad eligibility is remaining there. So there are a lot of different factors that really could kind of come into play here. The other big position battle that I think really like <laughs> the weird thing is, Dave, with that final preseason game, we didn't get a lot of resolution for a lot of these preseason battles because it, it's like everybody played well. And I think that was the case on the defensive line. Um, also, you had pretty much all of these guys. Derek Tangelo, I thought, had a good game. Um, Timmy Horn had a great game. Nick Thurman. All these guys who, who kind of needed to leave one great final impression did. And so I'm wondering that if all of them did, did really any of them?
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that it is tough because I was hoping that by the end of this we would sort of know who's going to start at center, like, and we did not get that right. resolution. You know that that did not happen. Uh, Dalman, I think, played four special team snaps, which I didn't even notice. Um, so I don't know what that means, but uh, you know, <laughs> at, at wide receiver, um, you know, at running back, at tight end, even, and, and along both lines like, yeah, there there just was no like standout performance or, you know, divvying up of playing time that told you, okay, absolutely. This is settled. These guys are on the roster. Here's what we know. And and so to me, that's frustrating. Um, But it's also worth mentioning that pretty much everybody competing for these roles um, did pretty well. Like the defensive line being a really great example of, you know, Derek Tangelo played well really well. I thought on 20 snaps, very active, showed up. Abdullah Anderson continues to play well. Excuse me. Uh, Nick Thurman is, is a capable player. And that's not even mentioning Timmy Horn, who I think besides the one penalty has played well all preseason. So, you know, again, you can overstate these things maybe, but the fact that they made this decision hard is probably actually a more positive sign than these two guys on the defensive line are in and we got to go looking because this isn't good, enough, you know? So.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do think that it's kind of going back to that point that I mentioned earlier where the talent level, you may not have these bona fide household names, but I think you do have a generally higher floor and a number of different guys who offer something. And it's all really about which certain skills do they want to prioritize? How do these certain pieces come together? But yeah, the defensive line, like any of the four that that we really kind of came into the game thinking had a shot, you could make a case that any of them are right there. Again, yeah, the Matt Hennessy, Drew Dalman, like clearly the coaching staff feels like maybe they've got some resolution on that because they didn't decide to play either of those guys really meaningful snaps out there, or maybe they don't. I I can't imagine they'd go into the season with like a full center rotation, but we saw them do that late in the year last year, and it didn't seem to have a huge detrimental effect. So that's a huge mystery. Um, as well, kind of coming out of the game that we will figure out on Tuesday. I've got to do my final 53-man kind of roster projection. I know we've got a couple up on the site. Kevin has done a great job with that throughout the, uh, the summer and the offseason, but it's going to be really, really hard. It's going to be one of the hardest um, in a long time. We do know, though, that Deion Jones, seemingly fine for the 53-man roster. I, I don't see them kind of doing this whole hullabaloo song and dance throughout the summer with that and then just cutting him on, on roster cutdown day, that would be a really weird choice, but he did get a lot of run in the first half. Didn't record a stat, which is not, you know, the most encouraging thing to see is your former pro bowl linebacker, not really making a, the biggest impact on the stat sheet in a preseason game filled with a lot of reserve players. What did you think of Dion Jones, um, out there in, in kind of his return?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, Kudos to you for that great story on him because I thought that <laughs> Thank you. he said all the right things, right? He said everything that you would want to hear from him coming back. Like he expects to have to earn his job. You know, he's not acting disgruntled. People, you know, there's been reports and rumors about attitude here and leadership there, but like, you know, I, I think he's really done a, a nice job of handling a tough situation. It's not an easy spot to be in as a player where rumors are swirling, you're hurt, you can't go out there and get your job back easily. So All of that, um, you know, is a really positive thing. So the actual on-field play um, and what we saw from him, not as encouraging, right? Um, But he's obviously knocking off rust um, and he's not going to step right into a major role. So in in light of that, I think the biggest disappointing thing is like not seeing him flash and say, okay, Deion Jones is going to be able to earn his job back or, you know, more cynically be really attractive to a team looking to trade for him right like one of those possibilities so you know it feels like this is a situation that is gonna continue to kind of go along at its own pace right like we just we don't know if there's any offers on the table for Jones it doesn't seem like it we don't think he's gonna get a starting job back anytime soon because Rashawn Evans and Michael Walker seem to be pretty locked in so he might just spend a season kind of in limbo, hoping to, you know, flash as a reserve once he gets his feet under him and then land uh, somewhere else or in that next contract from Atlanta. So I, I don't really know what to make of the situation entirely. I haven't for a long time now, but <laughs> yeah. it is good that he's at least out there with the right attitude and, and hopefully, you know, getting somewhere from here.
0: Yeah, and I I do think that this is a good example of exactly what you were talking about earlier, where you know the the talent may be better even if it doesn't feel like it is, even if those again the biggest names are Casey Hayward is is awesome. I and I was having a fun conversation during um, Wednesday's joint practice against the Jags because Casey Hayward hasn't necessarily had the preseason that I expected. It's not like he's been bad, but he has been beaten you know, a few times in practice on on some routes and things like that. And I was told that he essentially uses uh, the preseason as really a, a way to get in shape. Like he's one of those players that kind of uses camp, uses the preseason to play himself into form. So let's hope that that is indeed the case. Um, but Rashawn Evans, like he's another one of your notable guys. These aren't household names. And. A good sign for maybe the progression of this team in small ways is the fact that now you've got Deion Jones, who was your second leading tackler last season. In this weird limbo reserve role, they're obviously a better team with Deion Jones, or hopefully, you know, on paper, you would think that they are a better team with Deion Jones on this roster than without him. But I think the big thing here is we're trying to see how much he has in the tank, how much does this defense, which he has said, he is much more comfortable with. In year two, after doing some self scouting, but is that true? Is he really comfortable with this defense? Can he show that on the field? So Deion Jones is going to be a really interesting kind of storyline to like it would be the c plot in a TV show. We'll just be monitoring it um, throughout the season. But before I let you go here, Dave, is there anything else from this game that I have not mentioned that you wanted to uh, to bring up and talk about?
1: No, I think we we covered all the important ones. I think um, I am fascinated. By the receiver group, um, yeah, yeah, we could talk about that for an hour. By Frank itself. Darby,
0: man, he like that play. Yeah. That play yesterday, I had no idea what they're going to do with him. He could go on the practice squad again, but does another team, you know, just say, "All right, we'll just take him off your hands and see if we can use him better." You know, like everybody has made plays so far this preseason.
1: Yeah, and it's it's been kind of crazy, and it's a good problem to have that you've got your top four pretty settled, and you could credibly carry six receivers and feel like you've got good guys. You could. Incredibly, stuff a couple more on the on the practice squad and be in good shape. So, you know, sort of seeing how that plays out, I, I think we'll have a lot more to talk about once we see what the Falcons are prioritizing. But to me, you know, I, I've become convinced over the last couple of weeks that Darby has a real strong shot at getting on this roster. They They love him as a teammate. They love his energy. They like him on special teams and he's starting to find his footing a little bit as a receiver. So, but again, whoever they keep from this group, almost all of them, even Keyshawn Johnson, who just got here, <laughs> yeah. was out there making plays yesterday. So, you know, this is, this is the Falcons in a nutshell, sort of this year over last year. Last year, you felt really bad about the depth. And this year, you, you feel much better about it. And I think, to me, that is, is such a differentiator for those two teams. And it really bodes well as, as the year grinds on and they face a tough schedule. So.
0: I think that is incredibly well said. Uh, you can find more incredibly well said things from Dave on his Twitter account. Of course, at the Falcolic, everybody is is uh, is following that. But at Words and Beer as well. Um, Dave, do we have anything really cool coming on the Falcolic soon? Or, or do you want to highlight some of the in-season pieces that we will have?
1: Yeah, so we'll have a lot of great stuff. We'll have our season predictions so that you can yell at us. We'll obviously have a lot of <laughs> roster analysis, practice squad breakdowns. Further schedule looks, and and then once we really get into the role of things, um, you know, you'll see pieces from from Will and from all of our talented writers here, um, just chronicling the season that is. And we'll we'll definitely. I, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but we'll definitely have some good hate week things for the Saints because how often you get to open up a season like this against your most hated rival? Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well.
0: It sounds like a good rundown piece. The uh, the history of Opening week, eight weeks. Um, so maybe maybe I'll look into that for you. But yeah, that's, that's thank you so much, Dave, for, uh, for hopping on and breaking down the final preseason game. I'm so excited that the regular season is right around the corner, and I'm sure you are as well.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Will.
0: That will do it for today's Sunday edition of Believe in Falcons, wrapping up the final preseason game for Atlanta ahead of the 2022 season a really inspiring performance that means probably absolutely nothing um, <laughs> as far as the regular season is concerned. But let me do a, a quick rundown of what we've got upcoming on the podcast. So tomorrow morning, Monday morning, you will start your week off with a great, great fantasy breakdown of kind of all of the key fantasy players for the Atlanta Falcons, where you should draft them, what could their ceiling look like, expectations, all of that great stuff with The Ringers, Danny Kelly, who is one of the foremost fantasy football experts on the planet. You know, I think that's safe to say. Um, So look for that Monday. Tuesday is going to be just roster breakdown central. That morning, dropping early, you will get my official 53-man roster prediction. It's going to be really, really difficult. Please go easy on me. Um, If I make a few errors, it is the guys that I would choose at each of the position and a little bit explainer why for more of the interesting ones. Then you will have a recap of the 53 man roster uh, with Josh Kendall of The Athletic. We will be recording that sometime Tuesday afternoon, depending on when Josh can get free. So it'll either be coming up later Tuesday afternoon, kind of six, seven, eight for you guys, or dropping first thing um, in the morning on Tuesday And then we will get into a little bit of a regular cadence. But before that, you'll get some final season predictions. Got a couple of things hopefully in the works with some national media members to get their thoughts on the Falcon season ahead of the start of the season. And then, boom, we are in. You'll be getting Thursday and Sunday after the games. Recaps of everything. Also, some really cool stuff coming on the Believe Network as a whole. So we will keep you guys updated about that, but very excited for year two with everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Please let everybody know where they can find us for the upcoming season, because I have a feeling it's going to be certainly entertaining and possibly, possibly a little more exciting than we anticipated. So there we go. We'll see if I'm right. We're going to see if I'm right about a lot of things or if I'm just as big a jerk as I think I am. And, you know, I just have opinions and that's all I'm here for. But we're going to find out how good those opinions are coming up soon over the next couple of weeks. Thank you all for listening. As always, today's podcast is presented by Bet Online. Just great sponsors. Appreciate them being here with us the whole way, just like you. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and take care.